listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Well, good morning, New Chapel. Brand new series we're calling Home Improvement. Everybody go, (laughs) you've been waiting to do that since you saw the graphic. Don't lie to yourself. Uh, Again, my name is Joe Bevilacqua. I'm the lead pastor here at New Chapel. I've got this reputation that has uh, begun to grow about me as a family man, and it's because I am passionate about family. This church has a reputation as being a family church because we're passionate about family and marriage and the next generation. We're we're passionate about seeing God build the family. And so uh, if you are new, you're in the right place. If you're part of this church, sink in to this whole series. I I really think it's going to help us to take ground all together. I want you to imagine for a moment the perfect family, the ideal family in your mind. What are they doing? They're they're, uh, doing crafts around a fireplace and drinking some cocoa that was organic, you know, and uh, they're, they're playing nicely. Nobody's fighting. The kids are well-behaved. Nobody's angry. If somebody gets asked to let the dog out, there's not a small war that happens because of that, and uh, that's a lie. Uh, that's, that's not real life. I think that a lot of people present a family life that is free from problems as the norm, and I just don't see that uh, played out in anyone's life. I don't see that played out in the Bible. As I read uh, read the the scripture, I I don't see any of the families that are in there uh, being perfect or ideal or what we think of of ideal. Jot down these uh, very quickly. Family has never been crazier than it is right now, today. I see families that are stressed, families that are busy, they're hectic, they're overwhelmed, they're frantic. And by the way, that's just getting your kids out the door when it's wintertime and you have to put coats on, okay? It's nuts. It's it's a crazy time. I also see this, that family has never seemed more complex than it does right now. We have multifaceted issues that we're facing as parents. I mean, you can't watch TLC anymore because the commercials are immoral, okay? Forget the content. And, and things have changed, and, and they're, they're not just changing, they have changed. And so there's multifaceted issues, problems, and complications. Clear, whatever that even means, definitions of family have become very blurry. We have blended families and broken families and splintered families. We have many people that are single parents, and then we have the traditional family, and that's becoming more and more of a unicorn. We have relatives that are living at home, and so family has never been more complex than it is right now, and we see that. Uh, How about this? There is unprecedented pressure on kids and parents alike. There's all kinds of different external pressures that are pushing against your kids at school. There's pressures pushing against you. You're working more hours than than any generation ever has in America. And so there's financial pressure, the pressure to provide the biggest and the best and the coolest. And Christmas is around the corner, and there's this pressure to outdo whatever you did last year. There's material pressure, and that is the, the best stuff. You have to have the newest iPhone. You've got to have the newest candy on your iPhone. I mean, everything's got to be blinged out to the max. And 
And, and uh, the, the latest iPhone is a big deal, but it's also the latest tech in every area. I mean, you're wearing it and, and you're driving it. And, and then there's experiential pressure. That is, so many of us are putting our kids in eight different activities because, wait for it, you want them to be well-rounded. What? You're overwhelming your children. There's nutritional pressure. This did not exist when I was a kid. If I expressed the fact that I was hungry, they would point me to the fridge where I could get some government cheese or a cold hot dog if we had it. But now if they don't eat the right superfoods, if they don't drink distilled water from the Pacific Islands, if your little cherub doesn't eat organic food or gluten-free food or uh, a meatless diet, a sign of the end times, mind you, they're going to have less brain power than everybody else. Your kid bothers me. Educational pressure. If your kid's not reading at the fifth grade level by age three, you think your kid's going to be a drug addict. You're putting pressure on families, and it's because there's pressure on you. There's this performance thing, and you feel like you're on a stage with something to prove to everyone else. And here's what I see. All of the pace and complexity and the pressure, it begins to drain families of hope. It begins to make you live your life where you can't see past your nose. It's just the next thing. And, and it doesn't feel life-giving. It's just the next thing you have to accomplish. And life begins to feel overwhelming. There's too much, and you can feel hopeless. And when we lose hope, listen to me, we lose everything. You can't lose hope. Don't lose hope in your families. This is where stupid fights begin to happen. This is where small wars break out over insignificant things. And it's because we're under so got this reputation for being a family man, which I am. They think my family's perfect which it's not. I can help you with that. Kai and I have our differences. Now, Kai is an angel. Don't get me wrong. I don't want anything on record or on video that says anything different. She's an angel. She hits me with those angel wings now and again in her perfection. And it's little things. You know what it's like, married people? It's like this, the toothpaste. Okay? I am a very excellent person. I'm efficient. I don't like wastings. I'm rolling that thing very neatly. I have this little thing where I'll take my hand and in the, the, the edge of the counter, I'll put that thing in there. I can kind of like skim it up and I get every last little bit out of that toothpaste roll. And I've gotten to the spot in our marriage where I was like, Kai, I, I'm, I will buy you multiple toothpaste rolls. Just don't use mine. Because what does Kai do? Kai comes up, squeeze it like a gorilla. <laughs> Just chaos in my mind. And so little things. I'm OCD. Kaya, while I'm OCD, Kaya's 100% wherever her feet are. I brighten up a room by leaving it. Kaya brings the peace. Anybody know what I'm talking about in marriage or you live in that perfect family? Our kids are wonderful and they're insane. Totally different. I think it is the humor of God that God does not give you the same kid twice. All four of them are completely different. All four of them take maybe the best and the worst of their parents all together and put it on full display in front of people while we're shopping. (laughs) Kaya nurtures the kids. When they get hurt, I tell them to rub dirt in it. But if they want justice, they come to dad, okay? And so all families, all families are, are not living up to the ideal of whatever we think that it looks like. All families have a little bit of dysfunction. Every family that you read about in the Bible has dysfunction. It's not just us that are living it this day. I mean, from the beginning, Cain killed his brother Abel. The first brothers 
One of them killed the other guy. Like, that escalates so quick in Genesis. And then you see Joseph and his brothers sell him into slavery. First they were going to kill him. Then they thought they could make money off him. Well, this is way better. You have Jesus who was born to a teenage mom who was unwed at the time, who had all kinds of rumors spoke about her. And when Jesus started his ministry, his family would stand outside of some of the venues that he was preaching in and say, listen, Jesus, this Jesus service you're going to, he's insane. Don't listen to a word that he's saying. Dysfunctional, undermining, feuding families. You don't have to be from the South to feud. Anybody else notice that? You can fight pretty much on anything. And, and, and throughout the narrative of Scripture, you'll read all of this, but you'll also read the redemption that God has for our families. I don't want you to lose hope. Don't lose hope. Don't give up. Stop being passive with your family. Fight for your family. Amen, somebody? Amen. Family's a huge deal. So what do we do, Pastor Joe? Here's what you do. Jeremiah chapter 6. This is what God says about this. He says, stand at the crossroads. Keep that scripture up there. Look at me, everybody. That's where you're at. You are at a crossroads in culture. For some of you, you're a crossroads in a relationship. For some of you, you're at an important connection point, a change, a transition for your kids. There's a crossroads in front of all of us. God says, when you get there, look. Like, stop. Don't just do. Don't live your life from here to here. Look, investigate. Ask for the ancient paths. You have to ask for this. If you just do whatever your parents did or whatever you think you should do, you're going to miss. You're going to leave meat on the bone. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And then what's going to happen? That's where the rest is for your souls. People ask me, well, Pastor, aren't you afraid to raise godly kids in this culture? Look at me. Honestly, no. People of God have raised godly kids throughout all generations in some cultures that were way worse than our culture today. I'm not afraid. Why? Because I trust the ancient path. I know my marriage can succeed not because of what's going on out there in that circus. I know my marriage can succeed because I can trust the ancient path, the proven ways of God. I'm going to go with timeless and tested over popular and easy because family's not easy. And so what I'm saying to you is for the next several weeks, you might have to change your perspective on things you thought family should be, and you're going to have to go for timeless and tested the ancient way that God has provided. Can I hear an amen, somebody? We need to go for that, and that's what we're going to do. A couple quick thoughts before we jump into today's message. There is hope for our family. If you're on the edge... If you're maybe on, on the edge of giving up, maybe, maybe you're losing hope, I, I want you to stick with us. God has hope, and it's not just ambiguous. It's not just, oh, be hopeful. That's not just something positive that I'm saying. I'm saying it because God has a plan for our family. God has a plan. Write that down. There's hope for our family, and God has a plan. His way works. We know that. Write it down. You are more in control of your family's future than you think. You think that you're subject to external organizations, external stimulation, external media. You think that you're going to fall prey to that, and you don't have to fall prey to any of it. And then finally, God's way works. Listen to me. Every single time. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. We think that that we're some great exception to the rule because culture in America not only is slipping but has slipped. Listen to me. You're no exception. God's way works no matter what world you live in. Amen, somebody? This series is for everybody. 
If you're married or if you're single, whether you are one of these that's an empty nester or you're believing God for kids, it's never too late to start. It's never too late to re-engage, to re-up your commitment to family because God wants you to have healthy, life-giving family relationships. And God wants us to win at home. I get tired of these people. They're so passive when they preach. It's like you go to church and you're studying the type of plants that they had in the Garden of Eden. Like, who cares? You need to win in this world. We need to put some points on the board. You need to score some points. And you need to win at home. Stop being passive about it. Start fighting for those points. Amen, somebody? And the Bible shows us how. Luke's gospel, if you will, Luke chapter 6. I'm going to show you this passage. And you can take it so many different ways. But the way I want to take it today, I think, is very apropos for our discussion. Jesus says this. Why do you call me Lord? Why are you saying Lord, Lord, and, and not doing the things I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, ah, good thing, right? I will show you whom he is like. Who does he look like, Jesus? He is like a man building a house. Now, this is so symbolic of, yes, a natural house. I mean, it's a natural example, but then the symbolism is your home. It's the family. It's the marriage that you're trying to build. It's like a man trying to build a life, right? Build a house. And what does he have to do? You got to dig deep. The simplistic, psychological, secular, easy answers, they don't work. They don't hold a candle to God's word. Now, God's word can be very simply said to you, but sometimes the doing can be challenging. He says, dig deep. Laid the foundation on what? On the rock. Say that, the rock. One, two, three, the rock. And when the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, It was because it was founded on the rock. You listen to me. Storm's coming. Bank on it. I I want a more positive message, Pastor. Y'all look at me. I'm positive storm's coming. You will face it. I don't know about that. Get teenagers. You're going to face a storm. Verse 49. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built his house on the earth. Another translation says on sand. Without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, it fell, it fell. If you do your own thing, if you think you've got your own ideas, and here's the big one I hear from people. Well, Pastor Joe, I just don't believe that way. You know, the book of Colossians chapter 2 says that you can have philosophies that are so strong in your mind, you can undermine the word of God. You can look at it. It can be an argument that is untenable to come against, such as, how about this one? I'm kind of inching on later messages, but the fact that you should discipline your children. You should discipline them, especially when they're young, by spanking them. Not a verbal spank with your hand or with a rod, preferably. When you say, I just don't believe that way, you take issue with God. The Bible says if you spare the rod, you spoil the child. Spoil, like milk that's left out. That's why your kid, you can't take him to a restaurant without you having to chase your child all over the place. And by the way, those of us that are parenting our kids and it takes a lot of attention and work to manage them, you are embarrassing yourself in front of all of us. This is probably not going to be at the 10 o'clock, but you're welcome, 8.30. Here we go. Immediately it fell and the ruin of the house was great. Why did it fall? Foundation. It was missing foundation. Or they thought there was foundation there, but they built it on a bunch of junk. 
You can't build this great thing called family on the secular worldly ideas. These people can't lead their way out of a wet paper bag. They say one thing one day and another thing another. You need to find something timeless, tested, proven, and it is in God's word. Families are not awesome by accident. In fact, by by accident, families are pretty average. Families are awesome when they're built on the rock of God's word. Today's message, if you're taking notes, seven foundation stones for home improvement. You need to get your foundation in place. When you have foundation set, when you've dug deep, in some cases, if you have clay, you have to correct the soil. Builders, you know what I'm talking about. In other cases, you got to go deep, especially if you're north of I-80, that frost wall, we got to go down at least four feet for the foundations. There is depth to this that if you're looking for simplistic advice from the world, be on Instagram. You'll read tons of different opinions in the form of memes because that's the way we're educating ourselves today. Or what you can do is you can dig deep because your family is worth it all. Are you with me, everybody? Seven things. Number one, write it down. We're going to be the people who embrace God's design in all of this. We want what God has. God has a design for your phone, uh, home. And in God's design, it needs to be embraced. Think of this like uh, leaning into it. An embrace is a hug. You're going to have to make peace with this. You're going to have to make friends with God's way because God's design matters. Family is the foundation of civilization in society. When the foundations of family are shaken or broken or cracked, society goes into chaos. Do you see some of the causes for what we read about on the news or we see on TV? Whoever owns the family owns the future. And when family structure breaks down, chaos enters all matter of society. Wrong and false and undermining definitions of family are an assault to the foundations of society, and it will erode culture. Unpopular opinion, I'm going to say it. Government does not own the family. Government has no children. Uh, own family, the own the family concept, and therefore they can redefine it. Wrong. God already defined the family, and the only way to build is to build God's way. Amen, somebody? What does that look like? Proverbs 24. It's going to take wisdom. You're going to have to think about it. You're going to have to talk to others. Through wisdom, a house is built. And by understanding, it's established. Your family needs establishing. If you were like living a secular before Christ lifestyle, before you came to New Chapel and you were married, maybe you even had kids, listen to me. You need some reestablishing. It's like a foundation with a crack in it. You're going to have to sure up your foundation. It's going to require some things to change. Put that scripture back up there. You have to establish it. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Knowledge means you're going to have to become skilled at this. You can't just do it. You can't just ready, fire, aim with your family. And if you want your home to be a a treasure that catches this, it must be, must be built on God's wisdom not microwaved by your experience. I found that God is so patient with that. He wants it done the right way. And he's okay with you messing up along the journey. He's not going to bless something that's not on target, headed toward his best. He's going to bless his way of doing and being right. That's what righteousness is. It's, It's the right way of doing it, his way of doing and being right in your action. And so you can have 
a Tatino's pizza roll family. And by the way, I'm not above feeding that to my kids for all of you organic gluten-freeers. I don't even think Tatino's pizza rolls are food, and I'm great with that because they'll eat those. <laughs> Meanwhile, this is so funny. Kaya last night, oh gosh, not in my notes, but she's washing our fruit, okay? And she read something that says you should wash it with baking soda. I mean, really, you know, like we didn't even rinse it off, and it was sprayed with every kind of dope you could imagine on that. I don't know. Anyway, Kaya's a very loving mother. I would never do that. And when she was gone at that Joyce Myers conference, I didn't. Don't tell her. Okay. <laughs> You can have Tatina's pizza rolls, or you could cook a filet. God's design takes time. Anything good, anything worth it, it takes time and patience. So we're going to do it God's way. We're going to embrace his design. Number two, we won't approach family with a consumer mentality. It won't work in family. Now, it's fine to go out and be a consumer. America, man, we got a free market. I love it. And consumers say what? They say, I deserve the highest value, and I want the best price. That's great. Consumers, uh, they would say that the customer is always right. This is true if I'm at a store. If I don't get what I want, I'm going to take my business elsewhere. In the market, this is perfect. I love it. I live by that. I, I love those type of rules. If I pay for something, I expect it to come as it was described, the, the same condition it was described, on time, for the money that I paid for it. And this also works the other way. When companies go woke, we can withdraw our business from them. I'll tell you what, for the Bevelacquas, Target hit the last straw. We're just done. I'm just done. I can't go down that road with you. I'm good. I love your stuff. Love your quality of your stuff, your sub-brands. Love it. Just not going to do it ever, ever again. I'm just I'm done with it. And so we have the right in the marketplace to do that. Consumer mentality works in that world. It fails miserably in the home. If you bring that mentality into your home, you will fail. The expectation in, in your marriage and family cannot be of the marketplace or your family will be chaos. That's why half of marriages fail even in the evangelical church in America. And here's what I hear most often. Well, there was emotional abuse. Okay, you fought? Because those of us that have been married for any amount of time, we, we've been there, done that, got the T-shirt. We know what fighting is like. It got heated. You yelled. That's not emotional abuse. We're trying to find any... Well, he was mean to me. Get a life. What God put together, let no man put asunder. If there is physical abuse, I'll be the first person to stand behind you. There's somebody that abused another person in this church recently, and I said, he ought to come to this church because I'll take him out back because I'm old school. Everybody, I'm from Nuevo where we solve our own problems. And then I'll pray for him in Jesus' name. But listen, it's like, that's your out. Outside of that, it's marriage. It's for life. This is not the marketplace. This is not all about you. The world does not, the universe does not revolve around you. That's why you should choose wisely, amen? But, but it, it's, this has so much to do with the people that you process with, by the way. The people that you're in relationship with. If you hang out with people all the time, and here's who I call them. I call them the agreement club. If you get around people and everything you say, they say you're right, run. If they don't challenge you at all, run. The agreement club, I can't believe he did that. Oh, I know. And it's just all the yes ands, and it's the agreement club. These people aren't going to grow you. You need someone in your life to say, okay, I've heard this problem a couple times. Here's my take on it. I think you're being arrogant. You need someone in your life who can tell you no. 
If you don't have someone in your life who can be like fresh perspective, I honestly love you enough not to agree with all the crazy things you say because you shouldn't agree with all the crazy things I say. I need someone who loves me enough to be like, that's nuts, just so you know. (laughs) Coming out, maybe you haven't said it before, but that's crazy. Am I going too deep at New Chapel on a Sunday morning 8.30 service? You need this relationship. If you're just high-fiving, yeah, you're going to miss so much, and you have this consumer mentality. You've picked your friends like you pick a burger at Burger King, and it doesn't work in life. Because the truth is, if you were really around them enough, you'd hear the no. We love superficial relationships because we want to hear what we want to hear. Anybody else besides your pastor just want to hear what they want to hear? You know, Pastor Joe, man, uh, uh, you, you got a really nice car and, and all of that. I say, thanks, I like to keep it short in the summer. You know, I just, <laughs> we hear what we want to hear, and we can't have a consumer mentality. Don't trust anybody who doesn't fear God, especially with your family. We can learn from the world. We can glean from them. I'm not saying we got to be hateful to the world, but I'm just saying we put our trust in institutions, in people, in schools, in government, indoctrination camps, in institutions that don't love God. And the Bible says a companion of fools suffers harm. In other words, when you do it your own way, when you make it up, when it's shoot from the hip, you're going to miss so much. We can't have a consumer mentality. Can I hear an amen, somebody? Number three, here we go. We won't allow personality to be an excuse that holds back personal growth. Here's what I mean by that. I often see people hide behind their personality type. So at New Chapel Connect, we're going to give you the disc profile and encourage you to find out your spiritual gift set. We're encourage you to do the Enneagram. Oh, I'm an Enneagram 7. I'm an 8. I'm a 6. I won the Enneagram. You know, we're going to come up with who we are. And in the disc especially, you know, I'm dominant. Right? And so what people do is they'll say, well, listen, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just dominant. And akin to what we were just talking about, no, you need a friend in your life to say, you're not just dominant. You're being a jerk right now. You're just throwing your weight around in marriage. This isn't who you are. This can be paired with character. You can still be dominant, but not be somebody who trumps everybody. Don't be a low-character jerk. Change. Boy, this message went deeper than I thought it was going to. Proverbs 19. The Bible says, listen to counsel. Open your ears. Receive instruction that you may be wise in your latter days. There are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that's what's going to stand. There's many plans in a man's heart. What's that talking about? The psychology, the secular philosophies of this world, all of that stuff exists. And what God says is it comes and it goes. What you need to know is what God has to say about it. Amen, somebody? It's the rock of God's word that remains. I've heard somebody say in in counseling once, They're saying to the other person, well, he just wants to change me. And I know that that can be done in a healthy way in in somebody that's controlling, and I don't condone that. But the presupposition that you shouldn't change from the time you got married or or started dating until now, you got to throw that out the window. Like it's an expectation. We can't be the same people we were. Not your intrinsic value, maybe some of the tastes that you have. We don't want you to fundamentally change, you know, your, your character of, of personality. But, like, you have to grow. You have to develop. You can't stay. Don't say, well, the real me would have been this way. Don't hide behind the raw you. I, I was writing this message in my living room, and uh, over on my 
uh, little table over to the side next to the light switch is this picture. And it's a picture of Kai and I on our wedding day. Uh, this picture is of uh, a goddess and a very lucky guy. Um, and I look at that picture. I was 24 there, so two years ago. And, um, <laughs> and uh, as I look at that picture, you wouldn't want to know that guy. I was a jerk. I was heavy-handed. I was a very blunt instrument. I was like a, a, a cattle catcher at the front of a, of a train, and I, I was rough. And, and furthermore, those people don't even exist anymore. Now, now, it's sweet to look back, but nostalgia can hold you back. And you can look back at who you were in one season, and, and if you look back at that, it'll, it'll, you'll stay in that season, and you'll be remedial. So what you have to do is you have to say, I thank God for that picture. I thank God for where we were. I thank God for our foundations. God is good. In fact, if you look at that picture, you can see God is very gracious to this man. But I'm going to tell you, we didn't stay there. We grew. The reason why we've grown in this reputation of being a family church, family people, that the Bevelock was take a hard stand for family is simply because we didn't stay where that picture was taken. We developed beyond all of that. Say amen, somebody. Number four. Yeah, absolutely. Number four. Families make time for each other daily. Daily, daily. Now, there's a lot that I could say about this, this particular point. We might circle back to this later in the series. But let me just say, put your phone down. Stop overcommitting. Stop finding your identity in your kid's traveling team or in the sports clubs that you belong to. Do you care about getting your kids a scholarship? Do you care about getting your kids into Harvard or heaven? And, and so the Bevelacquas, what do we do? We spend time together. Time, because love is spelled T-I-M-E, okay? So in the morning, when my alarm goes off, I, I hit that alarm, I spend just a moment with God, I go down and get my coffee, but I leave my phone on my nightstand. And for the next hour, I build in margin to my day, I spend an hour having coffee, the kids are having breakfast, we're talking and chatting, we homeschool because we're smart, and we'll be talking about the different uh, presentations our kids are gonna do, Kai and I will be talking about plans that we have. It's time. We have time together. When I get home from work, it's a very rare thing. If I'm back uh, anything later than the 5 o'clock hour, somewhere within there is fine. And I put my phone by the door, and I don't have it in my pocket. Here's why. I know me, and I know you. If you carry that phone in your pocket, you're going to look at it. And what you communicate to your kids is that that's more important than them. If you don't, Some of you are old enough to know what I'm talking about. You're going to have to make a hard decision there to make a break. And I spend the evenings with my family, with my wife and with my kids. I am away from my phone until my kids go to bed at 8 o'clock. Then I and I, listen, I spend time with them. I carve out time. If I am all about, like, if you're all about business or if I'm all about building the church and I lose my family, I've lost everything. You won't want to listen to a man who's lost his family. There have been some preachers along the way who have made bad decisions and lost their family, some of them forever. Some of them, God was able to redeem them. But even with those guys, some of the magic's gone, isn't it? I don't want to lose that. I don't want my kids to think of me as a stranger someday because of the ministry, so I never make the ministry the heavy. Number five, got to press on. Godly families ask for help. And this is a biggie. You see, this is foundational, absolutely, because this is the purpose of the church. Exodus 3, there's a story about Moses, and he's encountering this burning bush. 
And as he encounters this burning bush, it's the presence of God. So the bush is burning, but it's not consumed, which makes me think a lot about life with kids because, like, it's burning, and somehow we're still here, you know? And, 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 and so uh, Moses is confronted. This is what it says. God says to Moses, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, 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 a relational term, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, he has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial. How long? All generations. We read over the Bible here. But God is saying the number one way I identify myself is a family man. I'm the God of generations. In, in specific here, I believe he's trying to elevate generations in our spiritual family. That is the church, sure. But he's also trying to elevate generations in our natural family. The best families that I see, the most dynamic, godly families have three generations. They've got grandparents, parents, and kids. If you have more, it's an even greater blessing. Now, to those of you that... You weren't able to do it all. God still has hope for you. We need all of them. But that leads me to number six. Write it down. Multi-generational families, what do they do? They bring more glory to God together than they ever could apart. God wants to bring the generations together. You know, I believe that when I planted New Chapel, that we could have a very current church that spoke to society where it's at, that we could have dynamic worship, that we could reach Grand Rapids, a very artistic society. I believe that we could do all of that and not leave the older generations behind. If you look at New Chapel, you see just about equal amounts of every generation because it matters here. We are better together than we ever could be apart. We need each other. Children need stability. Parents need advice. And grandparents need purpose. We all need each other. And sometimes the best that we can do is ask for help. And asking for help, by the way, you you can't do that in pride. You have to humble yourself and ask about it. If you don't have a godly grandparent for your kids, you know, we've got Pastor Eric, but he's over in Timbuk3 Middle East right now. And we've got other family for sure. But you know what we've done is we've made additions. And some grandparents that we've like adopted into our life have been Ed and Sheila, which I know you know because everyone knows Ed and Sheila. We said, you're ours. We take you. And so my kids call Mimi Sheila. Sheila's called Mimi. And they call him Papa Ed. We've adopted them. Remember what Jesus said? His mom was looking for him. He said, who is my mother? Who is my father? And so this church is not just something that I've designed to minister to you. It has ministered to me. I found family here. And if you care about the generations, you'll find it here too. Number seven, I got to wrap this up. Godly families hold on to hope. It doesn't matter what the situations look like. It doesn't matter if you've come to your end. If you've had the fight where you said too much, you did too much. You are not the sum total of your experience. God is way bigger than that. You are, you are, you, God made you stronger than that. God didn't make you to be a fragile person in this world. Amen, somebody? Amen. You can either be a victim of the world or a child of God. You cannot be both. And you're going to have to make the decision, I'm going to be a victor, not a victim in all of this. And whatever my family's gone through, I'm going to choose to take the high road. I'm going to take it God's way. God, somehow you can make sense out of all of this. Romans 8 and verse 28. We know that in all things, they work together for good to those who love God or are called according to his purpose. So whatever your family 
has faced. Whatever they have gone through, you have gone through, death or loss, whatever that you have faced, there is hope. And there's hope because we can build our families with a foundation of putting God first. Today is a day of a fresh start. We don't even just need improvement. We need new foundations altogether. And God wants to meet you where you are. I want to end with this scripture and then I want to pray for us. Joshua 24. Choose today who you will serve. And as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Are you with me, everybody? By your heads, let me pray for you. God, I pray for my church. Lord, I know that we said a lot quickly. But Lord, I know that this series is, is really designed to build a foundation and then build on a foundation. So God, I pray for my church, wherever they're at, whatever loss they face, whatever issues, whatever conflicts that they're facing, God, I pray for your grace to cover a multitude of sin. God, I pray that they'd be willing to ask for help, ask for prayer. And God, I pray that they'd be willing to do the hard work, the heart work. God, I pray that they'd be willing to go deep, dig deep, and reestablish some foundations. Lord, I pray that as they do it, you bless them. God, I pray that families would become reunited. I pray that there would be great peace in homes, that that some old cultures of nagging and fighting would die during this month. God, I pray that great would be the peace of the homes of New Chapel and that our reputation as a church would have ripples throughout this whole community. God, I pray for your blessing on all of this. And Lord, if there's anybody in the sound of my voice that doesn't know you, help me to find them in Jesus' name. Heads bowed, eyes closed, just for another minute. If you came into this room and you're hearing about God's goodness, how God loves you, and you want a relationship with him, the only way to have a relationship with God is through his son, Jesus. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Saved means that when you die, you won't go to hell. You'll have avoided a Christless hell, and you'll go to an eternal heaven in the presence of God. And at the same time, I want you to know this. I don't want you waiting until you die to have peace. God wants to give you peace and resolve. God wants to give you an abundant life today. And it's on the other end of making Jesus Lord. Lord means boss. It means you put him in control and you're done being the God over your own world. If that's you, I want to pray for you. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if that's you and you say, Pastor, I want your prayer, I won't embarrass you. I won't stand you up nor bring you to the front, but I want to know who I'm praying with. If that's you in the room and you want to have your life right with God, very quickly slip your hand up. One, two, three. Got your hand. Is there anybody else? Got you back there. Great job. Anybody else? Great. Wonderful. Now I'm going to pray. And those people that want to re-up their faith, those that want to find that relationship with God, if you mean this, the Bible says you'll be saved. If you do this as a religious exercise, you're going to miss it. Let's make this the day that we get on track. Amen. Church, I want you to pray this with these people. Let's all pray it together. Pray, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sins so I can be forgiven. I believe you raised Jesus from the dead. So with my heart and with these words, I confess, Jesus Christ is my Lord. I surrender now. Jesus, I call on you. Come into my life. Forgive my sin. Put your spirit in me. Thank you for saving me. 
Thank you for making all things new. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Give it up for those people that accepted Christ. Wow. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you. Be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And as you go, love you guys. We have prayer partners at the front. We hope that you were encouraged and brought closer to God during this message. You can listen to any of our past messages and series either on this podcast or on newchapel.com slash watch. And be sure to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel.